back to the fifth and final episode of The Tutor's Take by the Paper 2 Studio. And for our new listeners, welcome to the podcast. I'm Chetna, your host. In this episode, I talk to Lizzie, who goes by English with Lizzie Jane on Instagram. She's been teaching English for over three years now and has taught on diverse mediums and she's had students from all over the world. Lizzie and I had a wonderful time chatting about her teaching story. We talk about what she's learned over the years, how she got into creating online resources about language learning, her experience with various platforms, and much more. As usual, we'll link you to her profile after the episode so you can go check out her cool stuff. But for now, we hope you tune into the episode and enjoy it. See you there. Hi, Lizzie. Welcome to our podcast. Hi. Thanks for having me. Ah, okay. How has your day been? It's been great, actually. Um, it's, yeah, my week, actually, my week's been really good. I'm having a really productive week, which is nice. Um, last week, I was really sick. Last week, I was ill. Um, yeah, so I feel like I'm trying to make up for that and have a productive week this week. Um, I had like a flu thing, not COVID, um, but something else. And I, yeah, I just like, I lost my voice completely. So thank goodness the podcast is this week because <laughs> I literally, I couldn't speak at all. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. Good thing we dodged the bullet there. Um, yeah. Okay, let's, um, okay, first, um, how did you get into teaching? Um, So, I studied um, French translation and interpreting at university. Um, I also studied a little bit of Spanish as well, but more French. I studied Spanish for the first year and then, yeah. Um, And then, what was the first kind of thing I did? I studied um, abroad in France and Belgium in my third year of university. And while I was there, I started teaching a Syrian refugee who was living in the UK. Um, I taught him online via Skype. Not that much. I did it for like a month. It was a very short period of time. Um, But that was like a voluntary thing. Um, It wasn't paid. And I really enjoyed that. And I obviously I didn't really have any experience teaching English. Um, but I, yeah, I just did that. So I was quite interested in it then. And then in my final year of university, I did a TESOL course, which is like teaching English to students of other languages. Um, and I really enjoyed that as well. And I studied linguistics alongside that too. Um, but that wasn't like an official teaching qualification. Um, so when I graduated, I didn't really know what I was doing. And so I did a TEFL course, an online TEFL course. Um, and then, yeah, I had a year where I was just doing that teaching online. And then I moved to Vietnam in 2018, end of 2018. Uh, to teach English there so yeah oh that sounds that sounds quite adventurous so far so you began teaching online 
I actually began online, yeah. Um, so after I got my TEFL course, I was teaching for Chinese company, a Chinese company online. I was teaching children, and it was my first time ever sort of doing that. Um, okay. And that was just part-time. I was working in a cafe, actually, um, the rest of the time. So I was doing that. And then, and then yeah, I, I actually planned to go to France again and teach English there. Um, but then they gave me a school that was in like a really, in a not very good location. It was kind of out in the countryside and I didn't want to do that. I really wanted to be in the city. So I, I turned it down and I decided to go to Vietnam instead. So it was quite last minute decision. Um, and I didn't find a job. I didn't have a job before I went to Vietnam. I went there, I didn't have a job and I just found a job once I got there. Wow. Um, so it took me like it took me like a few months to get a job that, that I actually liked and a, like a good job but um but yeah once I once I found some good jobs I was working in public schools and like language centers a mixture of everything really um, okay Hi. did you know any Vietnamese before um, you went then, there no I still don't really know any Vietnamese I'm like curious. I I'm very curious as to how that works. How do you teach uh, English as a language to people who speak a language that you, the teacher doesn't know? I'm very curious about that. Mm. It's interesting because actually a lot of the students I was teaching were really young as well. So they mm -hmm. didn't know any English. Mm -hmm. So it's like, I was teaching like two-year-olds, three-year-olds, um, yeah, like like babies. They would be like crawling around. Oh. <laughs> so cute. But yeah, it's just a lot of um, TPR. Yeah, just a lot of TPR, uh, repetition, using flashcards. So showing them like something visual, like, I don't know, a flashcard with like an apple and just being like apple, 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 and then they repeat and then apple and then you show them something else and then you go back to the apple and it's just using that method um, to teach the young children. Ah, um, right. I'm kind of the same with the older children. When I was teaching in high schools, it was kind of the same. Um, so say we do a lesson on free, free time activities or something like this. Um, and the question would be vocabulary at the beginning. So flashcards and, or PowerPoints. So just getting them to repeat after you playing games like memory games to get them to recognize and remember the vocabulary. And then after that, it would be like a question and an answer maybe. And then they repeat the question and the answer, maybe one grammar concept. So mm. in one lesson, you wouldn't actually teach them very much and it would just be getting them to like repeat after you. Um, but I think especially with children and especially when they don't know the language, it's just about being really energetic mm -hmm. and making sure it's fun and making sure they have something visual as well um, to help them understand. But yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. TPR for those, for the people, for our listeners who don't know, is I believe total physical response, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah I was like, when you started saying, I was like, what does it stand for again? <laughs> total yeah. physical. <laughs> Oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah, so um, I believe it involves you doing actions that are um, observable within a small space, like stand up and you stand up, sit down and you sit down. Um, yeah. 
open the yeah. window and you open the window and things like that right exactly. so using lots of hand gestures and yeah. or facial expressions a mixture of both even like if you're teaching shapes like triangle 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 like that and it's just yeah just giving them an action with the word and I'm like I'm one of those people as well like I use my hands a lot when I'm talking <laughs> so I think sometimes I'm doing TPR without like meaning to <laughs> I, I do it naturally it helps it helps maybe not for the people on spotify but for the people on youtube it's quite that's true effective. um so in the classroom in vietnam are you with another person who can bridge the gap between those the two languages better or what happens when you're alone if you're alone Mm. so there's there was supposed to always be a vietnamese speaking teaching assistant that didn't always happen <laughs> um, often they just didn't appear to the lesson so it was just me by myself but even when they were there they often didn't really have to intervene that much the thing that they helped with more was like classroom management um oh, because okay. when i was teaching in public schools i was teaching like 50 to 60 students in a lesson sometimes um so it's big big classrooms and sometimes they're quite noisy um, so the teaching assistant would be there more to kind of just tell them to be quiet um but yeah like sometimes if they really didn't understand the teaching assistant would then give them an explanation in Vietnamese uh but when they weren't there you just had yeah I mean I never I never really had I'm trying to think if I ever had a issue where they really didn't understand I think if I ever do or did um I just would try and explain things in as many different ways as possible um okay until they did <laughs> um, and then trying to simplify things and break it down if they didn't understand and eventually yeah so if I had to spend longer I guess sometimes I'd have to spend longer on one um, mm. topic or one grammar concept than I thought I was gonna because maybe they didn't understand and that's okay um, and that still happens I guess so yeah it's just breaking things down and making it a little bit sim more simple for yeah, the students that's that's interesting um yeah since physical activity plays so much of an important role in your teaching philosophy and techniques how does that translate when you teach online where you don't have the physical proximity to do to you know gesticulate as much as you would like to perhaps yeah it's difficult for sure i I have like a love-hate relationship with teaching online. Like I, there's parts of it that I really enjoy. I mean, I love how I can now teach people from all over the world. I wouldn't be able to do that in person. <laughs> um, but yeah, I do find that difficult. What I would say is most of my students now online are adults. Therefore, they need less of like a physical kind of... Mm they don't need as much TPR. Um, they also are quite happy to sit and they can focus for an hour or longer online, just having a discussion. Whereas obviously younger students, they can't do that. They get bored, they get restless. So it's actually not too difficult now as most of my students are adults. But yeah, when I have taught children online, it is quite difficult, it is. Um, I use a lot of songs 
and games and things online to try and make it fun and try and like make the lesson a little bit different but um yeah I do find it quite I do find it quite difficult at times and I do sometimes miss teaching in person yeah, yeah I'm curious the idea of getting a student's attention online is really sounds really overwhelming to me at the moment because I've never taught online how how have you found yourself navigating this how do you catch your students attention especially the younger ones I find it I'm not gonna lie I find it really difficult I find it really hard and it's one thing that I don't miss so much about teaching children online because as I said most of I teach adults now um but I would just have a lot of like props um a lot of toys um I think it's hard like I think if you have a lot of energy and you're giving a lot of energy like the students pick up on that and um that makes the lesson work really well but it's a lot harder it's a lot more difficult to do that online um you have to try even harder but yeah songs as I said like I would just usually start the lesson with a song and then if they look like they're getting a bit bored or restless then I'll, I'll maybe be like right we're gonna sing another song now <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna or we're gonna play another game and um, giving them rewards and things like they can see like I would draw little stars for them under their Aww. names as like a sort of reward or prize if they did something well but it's really difficult it's really difficult and I know teachers who teach um children online like full time and I honestly don't think I could do that <laughs> I it's just really exhausting and it's really difficult to just like have their attention the whole time so yeah it's hard so if anyone has any tips then I want to I want to know them <laughs> I'm sure we'll all find our way soon this is even I mean the the whole landscape of teaching online is necessitated by the world we live in and that brings me to my next question you you've taught online before this world and now do you see any difference? How has online teaching as an idea changed in the last few years? Mm. It's an interesting one. I don't know if it's changed like mass. I think there's always going to be a need for online teaching and there always was. What I would say is there's probably more need for it now, um, which is great for me. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like... I don't know because I kind of stopped teaching online for a period of time so when I was living in Vietnam I didn't teach online so much and then I started again during Covid so it was a little bit of time in between in between like teaching online before I went away and then coming back and that's the difference. I don't know like if it's changed massively apart from just like more demand um I don't know though I have noticed more like on and I guess more demand I've noticed more online teaching companies um I see my, much more now I see like a lot of teachers um becoming self-employed and like setting up their own business with it that's becoming more and more common that's what I've done um so yeah and, and the good thing is I guess people um have realized that they don't need to be physically somewhere to learn a language I guess it's created more opportunities for people as well um because you know 
if you want to learn English and you want to be taught by not that you have to be taught by a native speaker but if you want to be taught by a native speaker you want to communicate with a native speaker it is much easier now because there are more people teaching online than before um so yeah I guess just more demand mm. um yeah, yeah there's there's definitely more demand and if there are more people teaching online I assume that the network of or the community of teachers would also grow. I remember last week when we chatted, you were talking about the importance of connecting with other teachers as a support yeah. system for yourself. Could you maybe elaborate a bit more on that? Sure, sure. So I started my like English with Lizzie Jane. I started that in January. Um, and when I started, like I didn't have any advice from anyone else. I wasn't interacting with any other teachers. Um, I set it up by myself. I, I'm not that experienced because I'm only 25. I've only been teaching since 2018. Um, so yeah, it was kind of just like, it was quite overwhelming. Um, and yeah like I would teach my first classes I set up group lessons and I didn't really have anyone to ask advice about it or, or anything like this and then through my Instagram page I don't even know how you saw how these connections were kind of made but just kind of started interacting with other English teachers on who also have Instagram pages and also teach um, private lessons and then I decided to do a live with them all I wanted to do a live with them all, but I also wanted to make a group chat where we could all communicate. So I just made a group chat and like added like the teachers, which I kind of knew. Um, some of them all knew each other as well. And then I asked if they wanted to do a live and we did a live um, and that was fun. And then since then, we've kind of just been chatting in that like every day. Um, and we'll just ask each other advice about how much we're charging students for certain things. Um, one of the teachers in the chat, she's a professional IELTS teacher. She's an IELTS trainer and expert. So if any of our students are studying for the IELTS exam, we can ask her some advice and questions they might have. Um, I don't know what else, like advice about types of lessons. If we have a student that is asking something really specific and we're unsure, then we ask each other about that. Um, also, if we have any bad experiences with our Instagram or students, we can sort of talk about that. And it's just nice to have support because in another job, when I was teaching in schools and language centers, um, for example, or in any other job where you're working with other people, you'd have that support you'd be able to give each other advice or even just joke about things and it's just really helpful to have that so it's really nice it's really nice and uh yeah I'm hoping I can like add more teachers to it as time goes on it'll be like our little it's like uh it's like our little staff room <laughs> that sounds nice. lovely that sounds lovely yeah. and it seems like an especially important thing to do because we're all so separate we all have our own individual teaching practices in different corners of the world and it's difficult to be in yeah. a larger That's and also because of like de like developing yourself as well like you learn so much from other people um so me and one of the other teachers she's got about 
the same amount of experience as me, the same um, number of years experience as me anyway. Uh, but some of the teachers on there have like over 12, 15 like years experience. Um, they're much older than me, obviously. <laughs> they didn't start teaching when they were five <laughs> um but they're but yeah so it's really nice to hear about their experience and learn from them as well it's really beneficial for me so it's win-win it's good hmm. um how did you decide that you wanted to start english with lizzie jane how do you go from teaching to creating content on like a larger more broader scale where you know you will encounter a variety of learners mm -hmm. so I actually need to I, I it's actually thanks to like one person <laughs> um I'm not just one person but I was teaching on Cambly I don't know if you know Cam Cambly it's like I an American it's like an American teaching application, um, but it's mostly conversation based. So you don't have to have, I don't actually have to have a teaching qualification to teach on Cambly. So I was doing that like alongside another online company. Um, and a lot, it became quite like trendy to, for a lot of um, students to set up YouTube channels where they post their conversations with their Cambly tutors and some of these YouTubers were getting like a lot of views a lot of subscribers because I think in other English learners really found it beneficial to go on YouTube and watch a conversation that an English learner was having with a native speaker and just sort of I don't know compare it was I think it was nice of them to compare themselves to the level of the English learner or kind of to see how a conversation would go um to get some vocabulary language so yeah so a couple of my students had their YouTube channels and they were posting our conversations on YouTube and some of these were getting like a lot of views so and I didn't and I I knew they'd posted these videos but then all of a sudden on Cambly my schedule was like really full um and I was getting like like hundreds of messages a week being like when are you opening your schedule um because of these YouTube videos so that was thanks to those um <laughs> those students who posted our conversations so then I realized I was in quite high demand from these people coming from the YouTube channel but I was not actually receiving very much money like working for this company um and I thought, yeah, I'm just going to try and set up my own thing. But I didn't know. I wanted to set up my website and teach private lessons. I didn't know how to kind of advertise that. Um, so I just decided to do it through Instagram. Um, so, yeah, made my Instagram page. I think I made it like at the end of December, but I didn't really start posting much till like January, February. Um, so it's been less yeah. than a year. Yeah, it's, it's been less than a year. That's amazing. It's yeah, it grew really fast. Um, and I just what I did first was I went on. I was like, how will I? How will people follow me? And I went on. Um, my my student who's a YouTuber went on his Instagram and went on people that followed him and just followed a few of them because oh, I thought, okay. oh, they might have they might have seen the videos and then they'll kind of know who I am and then they might spread the word kind of thing. So I did that and I remember when I got a thousand followers, I was like, oh my god. <laughs> wow <laughs> I didn't expect this um and then it just grew really fast after that um 
and yeah and I actually just I enjoyed creating content as well and now for Cambly Cambly the teaching company that I mentioned mm. um they've now contacted me and I now create some videos for their YouTube channel and also I do like live lessons on their YouTube um so it's actually worked out it's kind of kind of through Cambly in a way things have happened so that's nice <laughs> it's a nice but yeah so cool a nice full circle exactly exactly but I really enjoy it I enjoy creating the content I enjoy teaching lessons and um I'm enjoying working for myself as well so it's nice mm. yeah and I did yeah I noticed a lot of content in your Instagram uh, on your Instagram page is about conversations and idioms and like phrases that people often that we use in parlance but wouldn't think to teach in a grammar class which is very very cool yeah 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 that's the kind of content which I enjoy like that's I kind of teach what I kind of teach in my lessons it's the same kind of thing it depends what the student wants my lessons are very personal they're very like tailored to what the student wants and needs so usually I'll meet a student first and sort of find out what their goals are um and then after that I kind of tell them what are, what we will cover in the lesson so it depends it varies from student to student but most of my students that do come to me they come through my Instagram so they follow me on Instagram because they like that content which is everyday English vocabulary like um some slang words um idioms phrasal verbs so then that's kind of what they want to learn in the, in our lessons and that's great for me because that's why I enjoy teaching um so with applications like Cambly, um, do you get to decide the curriculum or, is, or do you have to follow something that they come up with? So with Cambly, no. If you're a teacher on Cambly, it's mostly conversation-based. Uh, mm -hmm. So a lot of the time it's just students having a chat a uh, general chat conversation with a teacher and um, what I'd say is every student's different so some students come and say I want you to teach me something today um, so yeah you kind of just do whatever you want so okay. it was quite good because Cambly was kind of an introduction a, a way for me to kind of start sourcing my own materials coming up with my own lessons and um, being sort of more independent with my teaching um, so when I started teaching lessons privately I'd kind of done it before because of Cambly so um, yeah but with other applications that I've um, or other online teaching companies that I've worked for it's always been like following a curriculum and mostly I've been teaching children so like um Wales English or say ABC Palfish I've worked for loads <laughs> I've worked for loads of online companies <laughs> that's a lot of kind of teaching you get on like you get to explore in just a few short years that's that's brilliant um but you also like learning languages do you still learn languages is that <sighs> do you know what like I'm I'm so not motivated at the moment it's really <laughs> bad um what I would say if I'm going to be honest I find it really hard to feel motivated to learn a language if I'm not like if I don't have a need to so okay. for example like obviously when I was at university I studied languages because and that was doing it all the time and then 
um last year I lived in Spain for four months and I I picked up my Spanish again and I studied every day and I was really disciplined because I was living in the country and I had a need to study and I was around the language but since I've come back and yeah I just haven't really been haven't really been concentrating on it I've also been really busy but that is not an excuse at all <laughs> um so yeah like I I love speaking languages though so I do need to schedule more time um and it's I mean some of my students are French and Spanish or they are living in Spanish-speaking countries so they I kind of get a bit of language practice through them I mean they're learning English so not really but maybe they don't know the word for something so they can talk a little bit in Spanish or French with me and it kind of you know it keeps that part uh -huh. of my brain like activated a little bit but yeah um you know now after this podcast I'm gonna be like right you know no I I completely understand what you mean I experienced that as a learner as well I am also interested in I know I have a very elementary understanding of French and an even more basic understanding of Spanish I have no need to study either language at the moment but I'm just doing it because I'm interested and that actually works out well for me because it removes the pressure of having to use the language at some point i can take it in my own speed but that's a personal thing um so is there well well at some point i wanted to ask you about what tips you had for students to start practicing the language outside the classroom because you know you know how they tell us that you know, 80% of language learning is practice and 20% is teaching. So just um, what, did, what, what do you as a teacher do to get that 80% going? Mm -hmm. I, I set my students homework <laughs> and, <laughs> and a lot of them don't do it. <laughs> but it's optional like I don't get annoyed with them if they don't do the homework because mm. it's for them it's not for me um but usually what I'll do is if we are focusing on a particular topic I'll give them like a writing task or grammar task or maybe something related to vocabulary it just depends on it's always related to whatever topic we've been studying so that then because usually most of some of my students study with me like four three four times a week but um some of them are just once a week so they're not gonna see me for a week so I give them the homework so that they can like you know recap that so giving them homework but also telling them like you know to if they learn new vocabulary to try and use that um during that week so I don't know they're not necessarily going to do that but trying to do that sometimes um as well I always just encourage my students to to do things that they enjoy in their native language in English so like I mean it's something that's said all the time but if they're interested in a particular topic um like philosophy or something then listening to like podcasts about philosophy in English or if they enjoy doing yoga then going on YouTube and doing a yoga class in English or like an exercise class in English um 
yeah like just trying to do something that they already enjoy in their native language but in English and I try and do that with some of my students who really enjoy lessons like that as well I try I usually try and find out in our first meeting like what they are interested in um and then I'll try to like make a lot of the lessons about that because they're more motivated so um like I had a I have a student who studied in Manchester for like three months and she absolutely loves Manchester now and she always talks about her time there and then I found like a really interesting lesson uh the other day which was like an article all about diversity in Manchester and it had loads of really good like words and phrasal verbs and idioms in it so then I brought that to the lesson because I thought okay this is something that she's interested in like she's interested in that place she liked being there therefore she'll be more like into the lesson and more motivated um sorry I'm now going off topic this is not even what you asked but <laughs> no but it's an no but it's an amazing idea to like take it to so specific as to explore the dialect of a language yeah would yeah. it qualify as a dialect okay Manchester Excellent. English <laughs> Mancunian <laughs> Mancunian I think it is, is Mancunian, Mancunian that's it yeah, yeah no but that's that's um but that's a really good place to start I'd imagine like if if your yeah. student has picked it up they might also be interested in seeing how it differs from Englishes from other places around the country yeah it's true really cool and just and it's just finding stuff that they're interested in. So, and then I had another student who he really likes um, like British rap artists and British rap music. And then I was like on a walk and there's a British rap artist um, called Dave. I don't know if you heard of him. By the way, I was listening to like his album. Um, it's like a newish album. I was listening to one of his songs and I was like, oh my goodness there's so much like good vocabulary in here that my students won't know and so I went to the lesson and he didn't actually know who this guy was even though he enjoys this kind of music so I sent him the song and I said right listen to this song and then we're going to discuss it in our lesson um so and then he you know and then he was interested in it because he likes that kind of music so then it's just like telling my students to try and like do this in their free time as well so outside the lesson so do things like this so search for things that they're interested in um and yeah I just think it motivates them more it does yeah. for me anyway. no but I I really that's that's brilliant the fact that the idea of you taking the effort to direct your students to resources that they might enjoy is really nice um does your own language learning experience sort of guide you when you teach or when you decide how you want to teach <clears throat> a little bit a little bit I definitely think if you study other languages you're going to be better at teaching a language because you understand like the difficulties that are faced you understand um how frustrating it can be so I think that that's guided me in the sense that like it's made me quite like I'm more understanding towards my students and their struggles and I guess you're just more understanding and aware of language and how language works in general so that's definitely good um but yeah I would say so I would say it does like I think it's hard because everybody learns in a different way and do you know what I mean our brains our minds all work a little bit differently but I do definitely sort of teach my students in the way that 
I would want to be taught. Um, I try and adapt it to their needs as well, as I said, but definitely, yeah, there's a there's definitely an element of like the way that I would learn and the way that I would want to be taught is the way that I teach, I guess. I guess a lot of teachers probably do that. So I don't have like a set structure to my lessons though. Like, as I said, it depends on the student and all my lessons are different. Um, and I'm not one of those teachers who's like, like when I plan my lessons, it's not like the official structure that you technically like or necessarily should like follow with teaching. Mm. Um, but I guess there is some sort of structure subconsciously there is a little bit like usually I'll just yeah like start the lesson with like a slight warm-up which would just be like discussing stuff usually we'll go over like any homework and things that they've studied I'll always give my students time to like ask any questions as well and I think that's really important um which is something that I find beneficial when learning other languages um I was doing Spanish lessons online and the teacher would always start the lesson like asking us if we had any questions or if we'd seen any vocabulary that week that we didn't understand. Um, and that was always really beneficial, not also because it was a group lesson. So sometimes other students would ask questions and then I would learn from that. Um, and yeah, so I try and do that with my students. Like I'll give them a chance to ask any questions if they were watching like a TV program and they used an idiom or a phrasal verb and they didn't understand, then I'll give them a chance to ask about anything they've come across because I find that beneficial for me. Um, and that's usually how my lessons start. And then, yeah. Take it from there. Take um, it from there, yeah. <laughs> Uh, have you over the years begun, like, have, do you sort of anticipate where students might be facing problems when you start teaching them and sort of prepare for it? Like what kind of common, um, I don't want to that, I don't want to call this a mistake as much as, how do I phrase this? What, what is, what have, can you ask the question again? Again, he's going again. No, I was um, I was asking um, because you've been teaching for so many years and you've been teaching people from all over the world. Do you sort of begin to anticipate what kind of um, what students, what particular students might face issues with? Ah, uh, definitely. Um, not to put students in boxes. <laughs> either because every student's different but also depending on where students are from does sometimes play that sometimes plays a part in it like um you know a lot of my students from some Asian countries like Japan struggle with certain sounds um like the L and R sound but mm. not every student as some of my students they don't but it's very common that they do so I, I'm I'm sort of aware that when I have a new student from Japan for example that might be something we will focus on in the lessons maybe um also a lot of my Brazilian students so Portuguese speakers they struggle with prepositions I mean, everyone struggles with prepositions, right? <laughs> but they they often make a lot of mistakes with like two and four and of. I, not always, but I found that to be very common. Um, 
Another thing that a lot of my students uh, make mistakes with, a lot of my French students, Spanish students, is make and do. So they don't know when to use make and when to use do. And, you know, it's yeah. just all these kind of different students from different countries seem to have different things that they struggle with. And then a lot of students have the same things because there are some things in English that are hard for everyone or difficult for everyone. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I do find that. And what I have actually what I've made is I have this kind of mixed grammar document that I made for some of my first students to kind of review things that they had been finding difficult and so now what I do when I get a new student I ask them you know do you want homework do you struggle with any grammar in English and if they say yeah I, I want homework and yeah I struggle with some grammar usually after our first lesson I'll send them this document now because um, mm -hmm. it's got a good mixture of things and then it's a good indication for me to see okay they're okay with that okay they don't understand that they don't understand that and um, often it's the same things that students find difficult um, I mean pretty much all my students struggle with phrasal verbs I don't think I've ever had a student who is confident with phrasal verbs um so yeah that's something that is taught a lot as well it's very yeah i did i didn't notice a lot of material about phrasal verbs when we were doing our research for the podcast so much yeah so much phrasal verbs is like my life now i don't think <laughs> I i'd ever yeah i don't think i'd ever learned phrasal verbs formally yeah I, I mean I think the I think you do I think it's some grammar books some English books you know like those they're like English vocabulary and use books you've seen them mm. you heard of them I don't know who makes them I don't know what <laughs> this isn't good um <laughs> it's called like English vocabulary and use I'm sure like those books teach phrasal verbs um but yeah like it's just the sort of thing that you could learn forever <laughs> because there are so many and they are all they have a lot of them have like more than one function more than mm. one meaning so um but it's a really fun thing to learn and it's important to learn because and I say this all the time to my students but it's important to learn because when native speakers are talking they use phrasal verbs more than they use the other verb in place of the phrasal verb like an exercise I'll do with my students when I'm teaching them phrasal verbs is I'll give them two texts and they're the same except one uses phrasal verbs and the other one doesn't and I say oh which one sounds more natural to you and they usually say the one that doesn't have phrasal verbs because they don't know they the don't, phrasal verbs aw. but I'm like no actually the one with phrasal verbs sounds more natural to me as a native English speaker that's the one that sounds more natural to me because that's how we would talk um so it kind of shows them actually it is important to learn these because if you are going to talk to people from English-speaking countries they will be using phrasal verbs and you're going to be so confused um but what I would say when you see a phrasal verb by itself it's like I have no idea what that means but then when you see it in context it is easier to kind of make sense of it yeah yeah this is something I've been this is a recurring question in this podcast I've been asking all the teachers um what they do to bridge the gap between the things as you said if a student whose only exposure or whose only exposure to English is your classroom or who just has a very limited exposure to English in general is um is not able to recognize what's natural 
and what isn't um how much effort needs to be put in sort of exposing them to the way a native speaker speaks because even when even though if you're a native speaker your the way you speak in a language is going to be controlled for the classroom right so i was just yeah how do you what i that? what i would say what i would say is that that isn't the most important thing first of all okay. um for someone when they're learning a language for me the most important thing is communication and also it can be difficult because the way I talk isn't going to be necessarily natural for someone who lives in the United States and That's the way true. that they talk is not necessarily going to be natural for someone who lives in um I don't know another English speaking there's so many like Australia. English is spoken yeah, Australia. We speak English. India speaks Yeah, exactly. In India, um, in some African countries, like there are so many countries where English is a native language. Um, and therefore, that's why I have a problem with people saying as well, like, I want to speak. And I posted about this on my Instagram last mm. week. But when people say, I want to speak English like a native speaker, I want to speak English like you. I want to speak English like a native speaker. And I, I'm like, okay, well, usually when they say native speaker, they often mean like British or American and they forget about and they disregard forget about all these other countries where English is spoken as a native language so I have a little bit even though I use the term native speaker but when people say this often they they just mean British, British or, American. or American yeah and also because even if English isn't spoken in a country as a native language English is such a global language now um that it takes so many different forms like it's and it's you know it's you can't just say like it's spoken this this way and this way and this way and that's it um and so it's more about being a language sorry I'm like how do I word this it's more about like being able to communicate and understand each other and using English as a means to do that so I don't think it's that I don't think it's like the most important thing for students to um be able to speak like a native speaker or seem like and be able to speak naturally but <laughs> but a lot of students do they want you know so I have a lot of students at the same time who are like okay I'm coming to the UK to work or to study and I want to be able to have a conversation with people who live in the UK and I want to sound natural to them that's fair so <laughs> for those students and if that's the case I think then listening to podcasts of people from people in the UK, listening, like watching UK, like British TV programs and series. So I think it depends on like what your purpose is, like why you want to understand English naturally, like which country you want to like speak like. Because Um, my back yeah okay fab when did i cut out uh which country you want to speak like yeah which doesn't actually make sense <laughs> <laughs> i wish it cut out before then <laughs> like a country <laughs> love it wednesday morning i can't speak english um <laughs> which um yeah if you want to speak like the people in that particular country and that is okay but I think when people just say like I want to understand natural English I want to speak English like a native then that is quite confusing I find that question 
that goal quite confusing um but yeah if you're like okay I'm coming to the UK I want to understand how people communicate in the UK and that's what I teach so on my Instagram a lot of my vocabulary that I'm teaching idioms slang words phrasal words and things phrasal words not so much but some of them a lot of it you know that's how I speak that's how British people are speaking like a lot of my students will comment and be like is this an American idiom and I'm like I don't know I'll need to check like so and and I, I say that to my students I'm like okay like I am from the UK I'm gonna teach a lot of what I teach can be used everywhere but a lot of it is how British speakers speak and I'm not saying that that's the correct that's correct English or that's um, the most natural way to speak English that's just how I speak English and that's what I'm teaching I'm I'm really glad you brought this conversation up because it's something that other people other teachers have brought up as well and it's something that is it this is an idea that's very close to me as well because okay. you know because I've been saying this I've been saying I've been saying this for the past couple of episodes as well um it's really debatable to think about whether we, whether, for example, India and non-quote Western countries qualify as English-speaking countries or not. So it's really important to have this conversation generally. And do you see this, this conversation growing in classrooms in the teaching community in general? And how does it, how does it take shape in the classroom when you actually introduce English as this language that is not no longer if it ever was this singular monolithic experience mm. um i think it's a conversation that's being had more and more which is great and i think a lot of people still don't really understand it i just remembered something that i saw the other day that really angered me it really angered me <laughs> i was on facebook and there's an ad for an, an advertisement for italki you've got I don't know if you've seen I the ad I see I see this advert everywhere um but it's an advert for italki and the teacher who's talking on the advert she has an accent so she's obviously she has an accent that I, I don't know I don't actually know which country she's from her English is perfect like she's speaking in perfect English but her accent from her accent you can tell she's not a native English speaker as in she's not from Australia, America, UK, Ireland, like she, I, I'm not sure, she might be from like another European country, not entirely sure, um, but a lot of the comments are like, um, this is a really bad advertisement, who wants to learn English from someone who's not actually from an English-speaking country, and all of these comments and these people, and it's just ridiculous, because it's like, she probably she I don't know how much experience this girl has first of all so I can't I can't vouch for her but she is probably an experienced English teacher she's speaking English perfectly and it, yeah it's just so like close-minded to think that if you don't sound like British or American or Australian or Irish then you're then that says like how much experience you have as a teacher um and also a lot of my students as well they they say oh I want to lose my accent I don't want to I, I have that in my classes classes a lot and one of the first things a lot of my students say is I want to lose my accent how do I lose my accent I want to sound like you or I want to sound American and I'm like okay well 
if you really want that that's okay but what are your reasons behind that like you might want to sound American just because you like the sound of it and that's okay and then therefore I don't know watch American series listen to American podcasts like you need to listen to it and copy it but if you're doing it for the wrong reasons I find a lot of my learners say when I speak with this accent people don't take me seriously when I speak with this accent people assume that I'm stupid or I don't have a good level of English even if their English is like advanced um so yeah I hate that I hate that and it's something that is being spoken about more and I just try to explain to my students again and again and again like just speak with whatever accent you want like your accent's not important it's about being understood it's about being able to communicate and using English to communicate and it's a global language um and yeah it's just it is frustrating for a lot of people I've had students who are from India who are pretty much fluent I would say in English I mean everyone views fluency differently but I would say they're fluent um but they found that in like a, in a business context in the workplace people haven't taken them seriously um or haven't listened to them as much because they they're because of their accent and because people think oh their English isn't very good even though their English is perfect and they've really struggled with that and um it's not it's no longer just about letting my students know that though it's also about like other people because I think a lot of people commenting on this post on this advertisement they weren't teachers they weren't students I think they were just general public thinking oh you have to learn English from an English person and it's just yeah I think but yeah the conversation has been had about this a lot more and I think it is getting better and people are realizing that English is not just um a language from the west and from England or the United States yeah well have you had any experiences like this where I don't know you haven't been taken seriously or you felt that people have judged you because um because of an accent or because of anything like this well um not at the moment because I have been in India for a really long time and so it gets the so I think this this will happen when I move abroad for example like the whole idea of giving and the this is the first time I've heard that test being abbreviated um from you how did you say what was that the test the, the I I I keep forgetting what the full form oh. of that test is I talky. No, not I talky. Oh, IELTS. Phonetically. It never occurred to me to um, <laughs> say it as a word. This is the first time oh, I've heard it. Oh, do you say it like I-E-L-T-S? Yeah, we usually just, like so far I've just heard I-E-L-T-S and uh, never heard it as a verb. <laughs> word. It's a um, word. <laughs> No, so um, even though a lot of people in India know English fluently, um, to get out of the country, to study in the UK and in many other places, we have to give the IELTS, the test. <laughs> the test. Yeah, you know? that's true. So um, it's, it can, it's really, it's, I personally think that's a bit of an, that's, a bit elitist we're going this is completely off topic this has nothing to do with the podcast this is a whole other episode <laughs> yeah this is a whole I'll other podcast um, <laughs> yeah, yeah so 
I think it depends. Yeah. I've personally not had any experience, but I have seen a lot of people have this experience in the workplace and just generally. And the thing is, here of all places, that shouldn't matter because if you know, because if because here's the thing: most of us grew up grow up at least being bilingual or trilingual. That's the level of linguistic diversity we have in this country. So. it's going to be it's very rare that you find someone who knows only one language it's the ability to learn languages in us seems to be innate so i mean yeah we recognize that english is an, is becoming an increasingly important language but that conversation has to be had in in particular context Yeah. And it is that thing you say as well though a lot of the time the people that are judging someone for their accent or for their level of English can only speak one language themselves anyway. They can only speak English. Um and that's something I always say when when someone is if someone if you I mean it doesn't happen all the time. Most people are patient and understanding when someone is speaking another language, but you will get people who do judge you and who are impatient with you. Um because of your accent or because you're not 100% accurate when you're speaking english but these people are always people who have never studied another language because if someone studied another language then they understand oh, the difficulties so they wouldn't judge you um yeah so yeah it's annoying <laughs> it's yeah it's annoying let's just leave it at that and i think <laughs> Oh, we could carry on this rant forever. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah. This this requires a whole different podcast series just ranting <laughs> about why. I mean, how to about the power the English language has in our world today. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> But if it's important to you, learn it. Go ahead. Go on your own language learning journey at your own place. and i think this is a good place to end yeah the podcast yeah definitely um, yeah thank you lizzy it was wonderful chatting with you this has been thank amazing you. thank you so much for having me on i've had lots of fun and uh i hope the connection problems at the beginning weren't too much of an issue when you I, watch i hope not um, i'll i'll probably find out once i begin to edit this <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for tuning into the episode. Talking to Lizzie has made me think about a lot of these ideas very closely and we hope they resonated with you too. As a language learner, I absolutely understand where she's coming from and often find myself using many of these techniques and tricks that we discussed in the episode. What about you? Write to us with your thoughts. As you know, our inbox is always open. You can follow Lizzie's content on her Instagram channel at the rate English with Lizzie Jane, where you can find cool grammar tips, expressions, idioms, phrasal verbs, and much more. We put a link to her profile in the description. As I said earlier, the Tutor Stake mini series is coming to an end. As people who work with language every day. It has been a privilege and an enriching experience for us to talk to teachers from around the world and understand their perspectives on working with language. It's given us many things to ponder over, ideas to navigate, and a better understanding of what we can do as creators who make language resources. 
We could not have done this without the wonderful teachers who agreed to chat with us. And we could not have done this without you, our listeners, who continue to engage with these ideas and have supported us all the way. A big thank you to you all. We hope you enjoyed being on this journey with us. In the meantime, you can head over to our social media channels or our resource center to browse our articles, checklists, infographics, and of course, the older podcast episodes. We definitely hope to be back with more episodes that delve deeper into the various facets of the English language. Thank you for listening to the Tutor's Tip. We hope to see you again very, very soon. Until then, goodbye and take care. Thank you.